Hi, I'm Dean Foley, and you're listening to the Indigipreneur Podcast, a show about Indigenous entrepreneurs, innovators, and leaders, and their inspiring stories. You've got to work hard to get the rewards. You're not going to get what you want just sitting around doing nothing. Before she joined one of Australia's most successful and fastest growing startups in Silicon Valley, Wiradjuri woman Tara Kalanen was born and raised in Dubbo before leaving to pursue her career aspirations in the tech startup world. So how did a girl from Dubbo get a job in a high growth startup in Silicon Valley? Did you know what you wanted to do when you left school? Yeah, um, so very interesting. You know, I like many other people, I had no idea what I wanted to do when I first left high school. Um, but I knew I wanted to get out of Dubbo for that reason because I just saw my entire family, a lot of my friends just, you know, get comfortable and stay in one place and not go to university, not get an education and not make something of themselves. Um, so I was the second person in my family, my extended family, uh, to go to university and get a degree. So I'm, I'm very proud of that. Um, and I just, yeah, it just felt this kind of fire within me that said, Tara, you need to do something. Like you get one life, make the most of it. And I'm so, so glad I made that decision. So early on in your career, you had an opportunity to go overseas to Silicon Valley um, when you were over there and saw the startups and the tech world, is that what made you want to stay there? Yeah. So when I came overseas and started working as a freelance journalist um, with NITV just on the side and then while I was here, I started actively looking for jobs because my mind was just blown by the opportunities that were over here in this whole tech industry, like what was tech? I didn't even know what Uber was. Like Uber now is like, if you don't know what Uber is, then you're living under a rock. But I came over here, had no idea that you could order whatever you wanted from the convenience of your couch and have it at your door within one minute. Like it's just bizarre. And I got hooked on it. I was like, this is crazy. I want to work in this. Um, So I actually put a post in a Facebook group and ended up meeting my now CEO at a coffee shop, just having coffee, thought nothing of it, was just trying to network and try and somehow get it in somewhere. And a few days later, he called me up and he said, look, we're going to create a position, come and work for me. So off I went and got my visa and come back and here I am today. Wow, that's awesome. And um, so what shocked you, I guess, so much over there? Like what kind of opportunities were there that you've never seen before? you describe it there's just the opportunity to have an idea and run with it it doesn't matter how stupid your idea is it doesn't matter if you think one person's going to like it or a thousand people are going to like it there are people here that are rich and they're rich because they just have money to throw around at your ideas like it it's just like a a reality show but it's actual like real life it's just a weird concept so do you have any ideas these investors would like to I invest don't in? but I would like to you know try and think of something that doesn't already exist but that's the problem there's so many people over here that have the side hustle as they call it where they have their day job and then they're always working on something on the side most of my friends are working on their own app on the side so you've just got to think of that one thing 
or, you know, copy something that really works and make it your own and see if someone's going to buy into it and you sit. <laughs> so no ideas yet, but maybe in the future you'll no have ideas. one? No ideas. Maybe come back to me in 12 months and we'll have a chat. <laughs> I definitely will. Uh, so what have you learned working in a startup? Um, have you learned much from your boss, Jeff, who's um, from Australia? From Jeff in particular, I've learned that Whatever you think your worst is like in your professional day, someone is having a worse off day than you. He is someone that can have a million things to do in probably two minutes, but he keeps his calm. And I've learned to not be so stressed at work. He's really taught me that it's not the end of the world if something goes wrong. So how did the opportunity arise so you could work in yes, a startup? Yes, he knew I really wanted to stay in San Francisco um, and this was when the company was just starting to grow. So I was lucky enough that I got my foot in the door before kind of the job, the job wrecks went out and things like that. Um, so he heard a little bit about my background as a journalist and he knew he wanted a storyteller on board to kind of drive the company's direction and really get some brand awareness out there initially. Um, and he kind of, I think he just thought, yeah, you know, you're capable of doing this you seem like a cool chick, you know, why not just get you on board? So I started in that role and I've just grown and grown and I've taken on a lot more responsibility since then. So when you went for the job, do you think your Aboriginal heritage was a massive competitive advantage for communication and being yeah, a storyteller? it's funny you say that because when I had my initial conversation with Jeff, he said, you know, what makes you a better storyteller than, you know, a copywriter or anyone like that, that I could just go out and seek online. And I did say, you know, well, I am a storyteller. This is, this is my ancestry. This is my culture. This is who I am. This is what I was born to do. Um, and this is what everyone before me did. And I think at first, you know, you don't look at me and think, that I'm Indigenous either. So I think, you know, he was double blown away and that just led him into a whole different conversation where I got to educate him about where I'm from and, you know, maybe taught him that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover and think that I'm someone that I'm not. So, yeah, that did come up first day. <laughs> and you're working on this fast-growing startup in San Francisco, which is really exciting. Just curious to know what have been some of your achievements yeah, and successes? Yeah, so we did our first ever massive event um, in Boston mid last year, I would say mid to late last year. And that was, yeah, the first event we'd ever done. And there was three of us in our marketing team that took that on. And it was a huge success for us. We got there, thousands and thousands of people in kind of like a massive big trade show arena and we thought, you know, we might be lucky to get, you know, a few people come by to get a free pair of socks or something like that. But we were absolutely flat out. We were swarmed from sun up to sundown. We didn't sleep. We didn't eat. We were just go, go, go. And we had this massive party where the lineup, we hadn't even opened the doors and we were sponsoring the event and the lineup had already started like a club in Brisbane around the corner to come in and, and meet us, like people that sell cloud software. Like, are you crazy? But it was just that kind of defining moment where you went, wow, you know, people need this and people appreciate what we're doing. So that was great. 
Was it a massive success because people in Boston wanted some free socks? To well, it was actually hot at that time, so we can't use the weather as like an excuse. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so did you have any challenges while running the event? Uh, not so much the event, but I would say challenge in general is learning a whole different side to the industry that I had no idea of. So because I did all my schooling in journalism and I obviously worked in journalism for three years, I had no idea about digital marketing and what that even meant. I didn't know, you know, paid ads. I thought Facebook was just for me to find out about events that were happening on the weekend. I didn't know it was next to Google as the highest paid, you know, search engine for ads. It's crazy. Um, So that really blew my mind. I had to get back into that schooling mindset and learn a whole new set of skills around marketing and what even that is to apply that to this job. So, yeah, it's been a big learning curve, but I'm loving it. And have you had any other mentors besides Jeff that have helped um, you along You know, the way? I have my team, Juan and Jen, who are absolutely incredible. Juan's my manager and Jen's in advertising and they've been great. They've taken me under my wing and really helped me out. Um Besides that, you know, just learning on the go and learning from the people around you, I think, is really important. And, you know, you can learn so much from someone that's next to you if you just stop and ask them, you know, what do you do in your day and how how can that help me in my role? I think it goes a long way. So a lot of startups in Silicon Valley usually get equity um, in the fast-growing startups like Facebook, Uber and that kind of stuff. Have you had the opportunity to to get any equity because you're one of the early employees of the company? No, actually. I was going to bring that up too. Um, So, no, I haven't asked the question and I'm not sure if it is because it's in in such early phases or whether, you know, you had to be earlier than I was to get that. But I know that's a big thing in pay structure over here in San Francisco especially. That's a big thing. Yeah, so maybe you should go grab a coffee with Jeff and have a chat about it. Maybe. I mean, the way the world's going, maybe I'll get paid in Bitcoin or something like that. It's absurd. And have you got any takeaways you could give to the entrepreneurs listening to get into the the startup scene and work in a startup? Maybe. I guess just some takeaways is, you know, I, I didn't have a marketing degree. I didn't know anyone over here. And if you're looking to really expand your horizons and move to a new country or move to a new state or a new town, it's not just about having that piece of paper that's going to be behind you or applying for jobs online. You know, you have to be really proactive and go and seek out what you want. You know, go through other mediums like I did on Facebook, you know, email someone out of the blue, show up at their office. I think that just those traditional things that, often people in our generation forget about, they're the things that people remember and want to see. Wow, you've you've got this go-getter mindset, which reminds me of a lot of successful entrepreneurs that I know. How did you develop this entrepreneurial mindset? Um, that's an interesting question. I've, I've always been someone that just can't sit still. Like I, I think I have undiagnosed ADD or something. I just can't sit I can't even watch a movie. It's just not built in me to do nothing. So at university when, you know, you had all this free time all of a sudden because you might only have one class a day and it might have been a 9 a.m. lecture, like what do you do for the rest of that day? 
Um, so that was something where I was like, okay, let's start interning. And that's when I started researching about internships that I come across career trackers. Um, and that suited me even better because that meant I could intern during university, but also I could intern in my holidays in Sydney, which meant I didn't have to go back to Dello. So I could hang out in Sydney with all the cool kids. So that, that was great. Um, so I think just from the get go, yeah, I've had that mindset that you've got to work hard to get the rewards. You're not going to get what you want just sitting around doing nothing. That's awesome. It sounds like, you know, some people read self-help books, have mentors, but it just sounds like you've been a go-getter from day one. Yeah. I mean, I have my fair share of self-help books, don't get me wrong, but yeah, I've just got a go-getter attitude, I think. Sometimes I don't think about what I'm doing necessarily and I just go and do it. And maybe that's a good trait too. If you think too much, you kind of tend to freak yourself out and maybe that holds you back a little bit, but I think you've just got to go in with no hesitations. Obviously, flights from San Fran back to Australia are crazy expensive. Um, do you get the opportunity to come back much or how do you stay connected to your community? So I haven't been back since last January, so it's been a long time and I do miss my family, I miss Dubbo, I miss Australia, I miss everything very much. So I'm heading back in Easter, the end of April, so that'll be amazing. Um, you know, obviously I'm listed as a mentor on your site, which is great. And then I kind of just exist as a mentor for all of my cousins. You know, they're just graduating now. They just graduated last year, sorry, um, from year 12, a few of them. And I just keep in touch with those guys because I can see the potential in them that, and that drive that I had. And I just, I'm always there, you know, on their case on Facebook or, on Instagram or something being like, you know, you can do this, go and get it. And, you know, Dubbo is always going to be there, you know, your sport's always going to be there, but this time right now to go and get the education and do something you want to do for yourself, that's not going to last very long. And obviously with some communities in rural remote areas or even in Dubbo, there's a lack of opportunities. Is there any way we can create these little startup hubs similar to Silicon Valley, where we've come from? Oh, my God, I would love to see that. I know they have a few learning hubs and things like that, but, you know, it's and it's not even Dubbo. It's all of Australia. Once you come over here, you realise that Australia just doesn't have the resources or the funding or the knowledge of the tech industry that is over here. Um, so, you know, if you really want to, make a name for yourself I think you do kind of have to get over here for a little bit or go somewhere else that has that big reputation and um, the funding for it but I would love to see some grassroots initiatives in Dubbo in Brisbane anywhere that get these talented young kids together and you know put their minds together I'm sure they're going to create the next big thing anything is possible and I believe in it. So if I believe in it, I think anyone should believe in it. Definitely. And obviously there's some gaps like skill gaps, capital that are missing over here compared to Silicon Valley. How can we bridge these gaps so we can have these startup hubs in Australia? It's a tough one. You know, I don't know, but a lot of a lot of people I've spoken to at Austrade, which is where they have a place called the Rocket, the Rocket Space, which is where a lot of Australians come over. They have a landing pad, it's called, where they basically base themselves for around six months, I think it is, and just 
try and grow their startup and scale as much as they can over here. And a lot of time when I chat to them, they always say, you know, it's not necessarily, yes, there's the funding issue, yes, there's the capital and the resourcing, but it's the people power around you and the knowledge base that you have at your fingertips that you can just tap into and ask someone, you know, every second person knows the person that you need to be speaking with to understand this certain part of your app or to understand who you need to be talking to to get this round of funding. You know, there's meetups, there's speakers events, there's so, so many things that you can do to just build your own brand over here that I don't think you can necessarily do in Australia. Yeah, I completely agree. Like over there, um, kids are taught from early age about technology, how to program. Do you think that's a, a challenge over here, especially with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander youth who maybe aren't getting those skills to build the next Uber or Facebook? Definitely. I mean, and not even technology, you know, in some Indigenous communities, English isn't even your first language. So if you can't even speak English and that's not your preferred language, then how are you supposed to use, you know, a laptop or an iPad that's programmed to be English? You know, that's so confronting and I can't even imagine that. Um, But, yes, the access to technology over here is absolutely insane you know you rarely see a pen or a paper I think gone are the days where you'll write a letter again unless you have to send a postcard um but that's a that's a big struggle in remote rural communities no matter where you are around the world is having access to technology so that you can learn on that and you can get skilled in that area and especially in this day and age young people need to know how to use it because technology isn't going anywhere it's only going to get bigger and better and more intimidating so yeah it's a big disadvantage if you don't have access to that growing up yeah totally even um some of these communities don't even have access to internet like how you're supposed to get involved with the digital economy you know it's crazy so you mentioned earlier that you were mentoring some of your cousins what do you think are the the key skills or, or knowledge they should acquire to be ready for the the digital world in the future for a job or, or start their own startup? I think one you need to learn to fend for yourself and get out of home and you know learn how to take care of yourself, be an adult, know how to cook dinner, know how to get from A to B without relying on mum or dad or cousin down the street doing it for you. I think that's really important to stand on your own feet. Um, two, I think it doesn't matter whether you're in a job or university, it's the organisational skills and the motivation that you get from that that you can apply anywhere. So, you know, waking waking up at a set time, having an agenda, knowing you need to be there, knowing you have to have this complete to meet this deadline, I think they're important skills that are professional skills that are going to take you a long way in life. So true. Um, I, I do have a confession that... Yeah, when growing up in the community, had a lot of family, mum that used to do things for me a lot and it was only until I joined the Air Force that I started taking control and and fending for myself. Although, to be honest, I I still can't cook yet. Yeah, definitely. Hey, I was a crybaby too, but, you know, the, the best way to learn 
is to be thrown in the deep end and that's happened to me time and time again and I've screwed up I've screwed up real bad but they're the best ways to learn and you know you overcome that it doesn't happen again but it makes you a better person and a better professional because of it yeah and to make people better I guess they can read a lot of books too do you have any books that you could recommend for the entrepreneurs listening um there's one I finished reading a while back it's called the play bigger play bigger handbook play bigger handbook that's what it's called um it's really good for any kind of budding entrepreneur someone with a small idea that wants to make it into the next amazon it's got some awesome tips some great takeaways from it and it just basically helps you get your head around what you want to do in life it helps you really figure out what direction and what path you want to follow so i would recommend that one i can send you the link if you like after this chat yeah that'd be amazing thanks for the recommendation and i'm just curious obviously you mentioned australia earlier who manages the launch pads over in silicon valley where all the entrepreneurs go to have you seen many indigenous entrepreneurs over there nope i haven't seen a single one from the people that I've spoken with personally, there was no one with an Indigenous background. Um, and there was a guy, Troy, who I th- was Troy the one that put us in touch from Really? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it was Troy. Yeah, well, someone knew someone, but basically, he, you know, he had this amazing story where he, I felt like he was fighting for our cause and he was saying, you know, there's why should we have access to all this amazing stuff and Indigenous people can't get the access to it? And it was a story that I wanted to really tell and it kind of got a little bit shut down and pushed under the rug and no one wanted to hear that story. So that was interesting and I've had that pushback before when you kind of want to tell those stories through a government platform. Um, But it would be amazing. It would be very uplifting and inspirational for the entire Indigenous community if someone could come over or, you know, you bringing a group of people over. That would be awesome. Definitely. We'd love to. And we're planning to go over in September, so hopefully that all goes ahead. Um, But do you think a lot of Indigenous people actually miss out um, on these programs, mainstream programs? Definitely. And, you know, these mainstream programs are in mainstream cities. They're in our major centres, you know. So how, what mum and dad are going to drive you six hours to go to some kind of tech startup group and they don't even know what tech is? Like, it's just not going to happen. So you have to you've got to go to them. We've got to get the resources to be able to travel out to these remote towns or smaller communities to educate these young people and, you know, learn what they have to give. I'm sure there's plenty of plenty of ideas that Indigenous people have when it comes to storytelling and the dream time and somehow, you know, doing language apps and stuff around that. That would be incredible to see. Um, we've just got to get to those people because they're not going to get to us. So true. I I completely agree with that statement. We should definitely be going out to these people. And do you have any other advice or or feedback you can share with the Indigenous listening? I don't know about, you know, career-focused stuff, but I know just, you know, 
the simple ones like ask stupid questions, think outside the box, really far outside the box, and then hone in your idea rather than start small and try and grow on that. Always start big and try and minimize if you have to. Um, I think that's a really important one, definitely in the creative landscape. Wow, that's um, that's funny because what they teach us in Australia is that we should focus small before going big. But over there, it's the complete opposite. I think, you know, starting small, whether it's a small idea for a company or whether it's a small idea for a marketing campaign, you're not giving yourself any brainstorming legroom. You're not giving yourself any kind of way to go off the beaten track and think of something else. You're not giving yourself that much room for error when you're just confined to this one idea, like what happens if this, you know, doesn't work and what happens if that doesn't work? Whereas if you start big, you might end up back at that small idea that you didn't really know about, but it doesn't matter. If that makes sense, like you've still got a perfect idea at the end of the day, but it doesn't affect your mental your mentality as much. And I think, you know, over here too, the small ideas are gone. So if you really want to impress someone and wow someone, you've got to come out with that think big idea or they're probably not going to give you the time of the day. That concludes today's episode of Indigipreneur. If you'd like to know more about Tara's company, you can visit their website at www.acelo.com. That's A-C-C-E-L-O. If you like this episode, please share with friends or connect on social media at Indigipreneur where you can find more episodes like this. Are you a young Indigipreneur? If yes, come along to our First Nations Youth Summit, which will be hosted in Brisbane on the 28th to 29th of June. It's an opportunity to connect with other First Nations youth, create new professional networks, and learn new skills you can take back to your community. For more information, please go to the website at firstnationsyouthsummit.com. This episode was brought to you by Vazudara Foundation. The Vazudara Foundation supports social entrepreneurs to build creative and innovative projects that deliver positive social impact. In addition to their philanthropic work, they manage private investment portfolio, which generates the resources to fund these social projects they love to work on. Feel free to get in contact with them at contact at vazudara.org or visit their website www.vazudara.org. Today's episode has been hosted by myself, Dean Foley, and produced by Damien Rensley.